Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Manchester City might be running away with the Premier League title, but there's still plenty to play for across the top flight. And that's certainly the case for City's opponents this weekend, Champions League chasing West Ham United. The Hammers enjoying their best season since Top Gun was in cinemas and Billy Ocean was top of the charts. And the tough really does get going for David Moyes when he faces the machine that is Manchester City. And regardless of Pep Guardiola's questionable wardrobe choices, which do seem to fit in with the mid-80s at the moment. Chelsea around that time were promoted from Division 2 and Sir Alex Ferguson had just taken charge at Old Trafford. How will two top-flight titans fare when Tuchel and Solskjaer square off in the Premier League on Sunday? My name's Niall McCorn. This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new show every day of the season. And alongside me to preview all nine of the weekend's fixtures today, we've got Pete Hall and Alex Boardman. How are you doing, Jen? Good, good, thanks. Hello. Good to have you on. Any memories from the 80s? I can't profess to be born in the mid-80s, so I'm just kind of going off of Googling and guessing. So I don't know if you've got anything to add. I always like to think that I um, I, I was born late 80s. I always think I'd like to be a little bit older because I could have seen the Smiths in the pomp and, 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 and gone, mm. to the, gone to the Hacienda. That's that was my... I wish I was a little bit older. I think. Hacienda, obviously a legendary Manchester nightclub. You must have been to the Hacienda a couple of times, Alex, in your youthful days. A couple. I used to go. I used to go a couple of times a week. <laughs> um, so the the only thing is, when you ask about memories from sort of there were clubs like the Thunderdome, the Hippodrome, the Hacienda. Um, if you were really there, it's a bit like the sixties. You don't really remember that much, to be honest. It was fantastic. Hmm. It was amazing. Oh, I can't wait to uh, relive those days at some point. When things open up again, uh, I think everywhere might turn into the Hacienda, mm. seeing as yeah, how long people have been locked away. Anyway, time to talk uh, football, of course. Premier League action, nine games this weekend. And as we do every single Saturday here on Football Social Daily, we'll preview the lot. And why not start at what is probably the biggest game of the weekend between two Premier League titans, Chelsea versus Manchester United at Stamford Bridge, Sunday, 4.30 kickoff. 
I think it's fair to say, Pete, that Thomas Tuchel's impressed uh, a fair few people since he uh, walked through the doors of Stamford Bridge. And it's probably also fair to say that the toughest test that he's had so far as Chelsea manager was against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League midweek. They won the game by a goal to nil, great goal from Giroud, and they acquitted themselves very well throughout the 90 minutes. But from a solely Premier League perspective, leaving the Champions League to one side for a moment... This is probably their hardest task against Manchester United. The teams they've faced so far, you'd probably expect them to be, including a below-par Tottenham who were in terrible form when they squared off. So do you think that Chelsea have enough Premier League momentum behind them under Tuchel to cause United some problems on Sunday? Yeah, they do. And he's, he's, he's kept things quite simple, really. He's been quite innovative in his formations, but he's first and foremost made Chelsea more more, more organised and more difficult to beat like their, their, mm. def- their defensive record since he's taken over is fantastic and you know they're, they're, they're chasing I, I think they're chasing the third, their fourth um, successive home clean sheet uh, since he since Tuchel came in um, and you, you need that against United United away from home are, 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 are quite the force and, the, and they've, they've scored plenty of goals on the road so you need to be that well organised against United um, but they can they, Tuchel can simply um, cause United problems by being difficult to beat frustrating United and, and we've all seen this season with the United's back line there's, there's, they're, they're more than capable of conceding at least a goal or two so um, as, as long as you can frustrate United um, defensively then more than capable of of uh, scoring at least a couple of goals uh, down the other end. As you say, Pete, defensively, they've really tightened up. Just two goals conceded under Thomas Tuchel since he took charge, which is exceptional by any standards, really. But let's flip Mm. things to Manchester United because defensively for them, Alex, there's been question marks. Question marks over Lindelof and his ability to do a decent job next to Harry Maguire. Even question marks over Maguire himself. Eric Bailly can't seem to stay fit. Uh, Do you think that there's issues defensively that United might need to address in the summer if they really are to close that gap between themselves and City? Um, yes, definitely, definitely do. I think probably one one extra centre back and possibly more cover for right back. But for me, all the defence problems start with with the goalie because I I just don't think De Gea has ever been one to command his box, and it seems now such an obvious tactic by every team we play week in week out. Um, he's trying just pump. Just put, just put a player right in front of free kick and just try and pump as many crosses into the box and, and attack De Gea. Um, and I think that's why some of the problems are being caused because it's Maguire's trying to... He's having to cover uh, and, and do the job that De Gea should be doing. So I think... I don't know what I don't know what the solution is because Henderson's not really impressed when he's come in. And I think most of United's defensive problems or a good proportion of them start with the goalkeeper. Um, so I, I don't know whether Henderson will get more of a chance next season. I don't know if I, I don't know. I look at somebody like Luke Shaw, who's playing absolutely wonderfully this season. He's he's been great. I think Maguire gets a lot of undeserved criticism because he plays every game. He's you know he, he's a he's a threat going forward. Um, he's not he's not the fastest, but I, I just feel like the defense is still covering for the goalkeeper. They can't play a high mm. enough line. So that's that's what I'd address if it was up to me. Interesting that United come up against Chelsea when Chelsea faced a similar problem a few years ago when Petr Cech was the goalkeeper and they had Thibaut Courtois 
who was really hot on his heels. And in the end, they were kind of forced to make a decision. Um, and I think Mourinho said, thanks very much, Petter, but it's time to move on. And mm. then Courtois took the number one jersey from then on. It doesn't feel quite as intense as that between Henderson and De Gea, but certainly a decision might need to be made uh, long term by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the near future. Talking of players being criticised, Pete, Anthony Martial's had his fair share of stick over the last month or so. What do you think's going on there? Is he good enough to play for Manchester United? What's the problem and what's the solution in your eyes? So he's such a frustrating figure, uh, Martial, because he's got so much ability. He's got that. He's got this like that ability that you can't teach, really. Like the way he sort of glides past players and the, his control is not something you see in coaching managers. You just you're just lucky to have it, and he's got it. And mm-hmm. last season, last season, I mean, you're six, you're six seasons at United now, and you're thinking, yeah. you know, you'd want to see more from him. Last season, you thought, right, he's turned the corner now. He he broke the twenty goal um, barrier for the first time at the club, and he was looking good as a United central striker, and he was scoring goals, and he was looking. The the thing that with him is he's looking interested. That's the thing with Martial is his, his movement or lack of. I was at the game against Newcastle on on um, Sunday and. Um, Solskjaer came running down the bench uh, midway through the second half, um, screaming, "Just, just move, Anto! Just move!" Like because he was just stood there, like the play was going on. Ar- <laughs> the the play was going on around him, and he just didn't even move. He was just turning. He was looking left, looking right, and he he was he was not making any runs at all. And four league goals this season, and mm. it's 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 not good enough after after making so much progress. That's the most annoying thing. You thought last season, right? He can kick on now, and Solskjaer has been really bigging him up for a while now, saying we've got a number nine, we've got a number nine striker, a central striker who can score goals uh, in mm. Antti Martial and he's just and he's gone backwards at least a couple of steps this season and he has to have a really really good end to the season otherwise it's I think it might be time to move on it sounds interesting the way that you've said you know United were keen for him to kick on and Solskjaer mm. isn't often that animated on the touchline is he to, to no, run no. down and start screaming so it must yeah. have annoyed him to to a fair degree but it's interesting you say that United were expecting for him to kick on when actually it feels like he's kicked back, if anything. And he's yeah. thought, well, I've proven myself to be good enough. I've got my 20 goals last season. And actually, interestingly enough, whilst he sort of stood there watching the play go on around him, I don't know whether some element of that comes from, you know, that Parisian street football that we see so many kids come from in Paris, you know, where uh, a lot of the game is kind of close control, close, close touches, get taking the ball past opponents in these tight sort of mm. cages as they play in, in Europe. I don't know whether there's anything to be said for that, but it's certainly an interesting conundrum. Yeah, I think so. As fans, between you, I suppose I'll come to you, Alex, first. As a fan, what would you like for United now? between here and the end of the season? Because obviously, still in Europe, still in the FA Cup. Ideally, what, what would you like to happen now for your side between now and the end of the campaign? I think it, I think it's actually a really, really important time of the season this for United because it's been well documented um, that Solskjaer, since he's been there, has lost, I think it's five semi-finals. There's a really good chance in the Europa. There's a really good chance in the FA Cup. And I think he needs... I think he just needs to get to a final and hopefully win a trophy. And it feels like the side, I don't think, I don't know any of my friends who are United fans who were thinking we'd seriously win the league this year. But when we were top about six weeks ago, um, it was like, oh, great, we'll take this. This is fantastic. Um, But you weren't seriously thinking United win the league. I would be surprised if they didn't finish second or third. Um, I know Chelsea are... Chelsea, City are the informed team. Chelsea have almost got a good record. Uh, so I think Chelsea will probably maybe push up there too. Um, 
But I just think if he can win that first trophy, maybe we're a couple of signings short from from being a, a title winning side. And I'd just like to see a bit more consistency in some of the, the same old problems I think now need to have solutions. You mentioned it earlier about the defence, about the leaking, the leaking goals and they're not playing that well against the so-called lesser teams. And I think these the next few months we should try and address all those and then hopefully win a trophy and go into next season saying, right, we are genuine title contenders now. Because I don't think anybody mm. still quite believes at United that they are. Yeah, it might take winning a trophy and kind of getting that monkey off the back of not getting through semi-finals mm. for Solskjaer to really start being taken seriously. I mean, that's going to start becoming a subplot every time United get deep into a competition, isn't it, Pete? If, if they don't shake that off soon, it's going to be, oh, the, the tally's ticking up, more and more semi-finals that they haven't got through. Yeah, and well, a, a club like United um, shouldn't be going as long as they have without winning anything. Um, and it's it's poor performances in these semi-finals as well against teams that really you uh, the form that United have come into these semi-finals in they should they should have at least got you know got through a, a few they should have beaten Sevilla um they, they were playing really well towards the end of last mm. season and it was it was big big games that that you'd expect a better performance in with the form that they brought into it and they just seem to be bottling it and and Solskjaer mm. was Solskjaer was being too reserved in the games like he wasn't ma- he was leaving his changes too late and it was just all very predictable and I think I, I genuinely think there's a lot of ability in United's squad you look at that forward line in terms of squad I don't think there's I don't think there's a better squad options in the in the Premier League than United have got in their front three um and if if you if but they just need to just kick on that little bit more and and produce mm. when it, and produce when it really matters. There's so much potential in there. You can't keep relying on Bruno Fernandes to 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 carry United forward. And mm. you just need you just need a bit more consistency from some big players. And part, that's partly to do with Solskjaer and tactics and things. But they're just quite. There's something not quite mm. right just just yet. But you there's there's still potential for a for, for a really good season this season. Just finally, uh, on a Chelsea front, Pete, if they win against Manchester United, that obviously drags United slightly closer to Chelsea in second place and it makes the top four race even tighter. When Thomas Tuchel went into the club, Chelsea were ninth. Now they're fifth and two points behind West Ham in fourth. Have they become top four favourites again since the Germans took charge? Yes, Mainly because of every, how rubbish everyone else has been. <laughs> like you, you wouldn't, you you wouldn't have thought that Liverpool would be out of it, you know, at, at this stage, and and they're not showing any signs. I mean, to be honest, I mean, as, as much as I, as I like to say, it's not down to injuries. I mean, when you see Jordan Henderson pull up as well, there's there's hardly anyone left. You know, the the, the, dinner, the dinner ladies are going to be on the bench at the weekend. They're, they're going to they're going to be really struggling, and. If West Ham West Ham are still up there at this stage of the season, it's March next week. How, what's, you know, well, we'll talk about West Ham in more detail later. But you know, it's it's a strange old season that all you have to do is put a, a run of three or four wins together, and you could be right back up there. And and yeah. even if, even if United finish second, for example, it's not necessarily a good barometer of the season because he could finish second with a, quite a low points total. But Chelsea, mm-hmm. Chelsea, to answer your question, Chelsea. Um, 
because of the control that they've shown and the discipline that they've shown, the organisation that they've shown under Tuchel so far, they've got to be regarded as favourites, pure, mm. mainly because everyone else is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, United have had a bit of a hold over Chelsea in recent games, particularly when Lampard was the manager. But what will happen now that Tuchel is at the helm? Manchester United travel to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, kick off there on Sunday, 4.30pm. Now, you've just mentioned West Ham, Pete, so let's talk about them. They travel to Manchester to take on the juggernaut that is Manchester City at the Etihad. This is the first kickoff of the weekend, 12pm Saturday. I mean, City look unstoppable right now, Alex. I mean, even with the great season that West Ham have had, do you think they stand much of a chance this weekend? I don't know. I've got a sneaky little... I like the way West Ham have played. Since Lingard signed for them, they play really, really well, good counter-attacking football. And if City have any vulnerability, and it is, let's face it, a real slight vulnerability because they've been defensively, like Chelsea, superb for a good few weeks now, um, it is you always get the feeling you can just slightly turn them around and, and get them on the counter. So I think West Ham have got an an outside chance. I wouldn't totally write them off. And um, mm. the way they just, I, I've been watching West Ham the last couple of weeks because I, I did like Lingard. I thought he was a good player and didn't quite work out for him at United. And, and it's kind of one of those nice romantic success stories when you see a player who's kind of not really played for a year, signs for someone else, scores two, sc- assists another one, scores in the next game. And, you know, West Ham are fine because of him, but it, he's brought something to the whole team. They've got some really decent players. Mm. Antonio's good up front. Um, Suchek's a really, really good player. Declan Rice can really good at controlling a game. So I don't think West Ham have got zero chance. Um, I think they'll probably acquit themselves better than Arsenal did uh, against mm. City. But it's just City's kind of a bit like a machine at the minute. They're defending mm. so well that yeah. I, I don't know. I West. I don't know if anyone in the league is actually good enough. But it'll be interesting. I hope so. Put it like that. I really hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously Leicester got a great result at the Etihad earlier on in this season, and although Manchester City have certainly straightened themselves out since then, it's not out of the question that West Ham could turn up to uh, Manchester and get a result. This is the Premier League, after all. Um, but forget the coronavirus. Forget a deadly disease spreading the world. Um, our own Jim Salverson says the sign of the true apocalypse is if West Ham finishing the top four because the chances of that happening uh, are very very slim particularly if you are someone at the start of the season as we said at the top of the show the Hammers enjoying their best season since 1986 um, are they good enough to stay in the top four Pete I mean like you say it's March next week they're two points ahead of Chelsea they've won just one less game than Manchester United have won this season and they're second I mean it's hard to argue against it with the form that they're in right now as, as I was saying earlier, it's partly and mainly down to everyone else being rubbish. Like you look, you look at the, you look at the table this season. It is absolute madness that this stage of the season. Look at where Tottenham and Arsenal are, and and yet Mikel Arteta. No, when was the last time anyone said Mikel Arteta's job was was uh, in danger? Yeah, it's madness, and like. I I keep seeing every week. I don't. Um, I've I've covered a few West Ham games recently, and they play really good. As Alex said, they're playing some really good stuff, um, and also they have one of the best defensive midfielders in the in the country in in Declan Rice, who has been instrumental in this run. He's been absolutely fantastic, um, hmm. and they're just 
you keep thinking, oh, uh, yeah, next week it'll come unstuck. Next week it'll come unstuck. They can't, they can't still be there. You, you know, it's, you're not, <laughs> they're not going to be above Liverpool and Chelsea next week. And here we are, 25 games into the season. West Ham a fourth, Leicester a third. It is, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it is a remarkable season that you know this stage of the season, Arsenal are eleventh and West Ham and West Ham are fourth. <laughs> but um, they, are, they, you can't say it's not, it's not deserved. It's not a flash in the pan. This year in 2021. Only, only City uh, have taken more points in the Premier League than, than West Ham, uh, so it's not just a, a brief run of games. It's, it's a really good, um, you know, three months, which you know, and three months at the moment is, is two games a week every week, isn't it? So it is. They've they've done really well, and they're playing some really good football. You, you, the danger is that a couple of injuries could could really derail it, um, mm. and to to key personnel um, defensively, defensively. Uh, Suchek has been phenomenal for them, but if they lose him or, or Diop, they could really, really struggle. Um, they coped reasonably well without Antonio's goals, but if, if, you, if you lose a few, a few more attacking players, but I keep, I keep saying this: if this, if that, they're still there. It's four, it's twenty-five games in, and they're still fourth. So, who, who it will be the the weirdest end to the weirdest season the way ever <laughs> if if West Ham finish. Where they do, that's for sure. I don't. I don't know. I'd quite like to see Jim's face just on that moment. Just I don't. It would, I don't think it would. It wouldn't be joy, would it? I don't know. It'd be joy. You'd be just like, just like disbelief, yeah, yeah, sort of perplexed. Yeah. He's <laughs> just to start scratching around looking for flights to Europe yeah. to random Champions League. You just got to think. You've got uh, to think like, who? The, oh my God! Hold on. We, we, next, <laughs> next season we could be playing Bayern Munich. You know, it's cricket score time, that isn't it? So. Yeah. Like love, dust the passport off. We're going to somewhere far-reached in the uh, in Eastern yeah, Europe. Yeah. Why not? Um, even more the impressive, considering that Antonio was missing, and he's the only kind of fit centre forward that they have at the mm. club. David Moyes rolled the dice and decided not to sign another striker to replace Seb Allaire, who obviously left to go to Ajax in January, and it was almost inevitable that Mikhail Antonio was going to get injured. So the way that they've managed to continue to score goals and get results without him has been uh, very impressive, I have to say. Um, from a Manchester City perspective. They obviously deserve immense credit, Alex. Yeah. I mean, as you say, defensively, just 15 goals conceded in the Premier League this season. Diaz looks like a man possessed at the back, absolutely solid. And perhaps finally they found someone uh, to fill that Vincent Company role. But do you think the season, as we say, only at the end of February now, has started to peter out a little bit in terms of a title race just due to their brilliance because only six weeks ago on this show we were talking about how this could be one of the most exciting title races in years with four or five teams in the mix to possibly win the title now it looks a foregone conclusion that it's going to be City it does it does yeah if they, if they do have one weakness though and it, it's it is that sort of centre forward spot that they they've just not as they were when they were at their absolute, the, probably the best City team ever was about five years ago when Aguero was guaranteed 25 goals a season and he's 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 either injured all the time or not really playing. Jesus, I know, came on and I think he scored a couple of goals in the last game, but um, he's not, they, they're relying on other, you know, Sterling's scoring a lot of goals. Sterling's playing really well. Mares is playing really well. Foden's playing really well. So they've got so many options. Obviously, they've got De Bruyne to come back. But if you were to look at a complete team and try and pick out a weakness, it pro that is probably their only weakness. Now, it's if that catches up with them, and I, I just uh, don't see it catching up with them in the Premier League, possibly in Europe, who knows, uh, when they come up against an absolute top side. But as has been said many times before, I just don't, 
I agree. I don't think there are that many top sides in the in the Premier League this season. Um, if United, I mean United have been have been sketchy at best, and if they're the, if they're second in the league, it's it's not a particularly strong league. Um, but they do deserve credit because they they identified the problems, and it, it was the early parts of the season and last season. It was the defence. Anybody it seemed could get at City last season. This season, the, maybe the first few weeks of it, they were, they had like United, they had a bit of a delayed start. They were always a couple of games behind everyone. Um, maybe, maybe they've always been this good, and it was just the fact that they, they'd played two games less than everybody else that it kind of took everyone by surprise. Um, so I don't know. They do deserve credit. They're a good side in an, an average league. Yeah, I mean, there's no Premier League goal for Sergio Aguero in over a year, which is just remarkable for a player of that quality. Mm. Um, for varying reasons, obviously, uh, reasons to do with coronavirus and injury and stuff like that, seasons being suspended and whatnot. Um, but it's frightening, really, isn't it, that City can be that good without really having a centre forward who is in excellent form. Man City look to continue their winning streak, extend it to, I think it might be 20 games, actually, in all competitions if they beat West Ham. Uh, the Hammers will have their work cut out, but they'll be going there uh, with all intentions to secure themselves in the Champions League places. That's a Saturday 12pm kickoff. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. We'll be talking Arsenal next, so don't go anywhere. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the show. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. Brand new shows every single day right throughout the Premier League season. Today's show, we're taking a look at all of the weekend's Premier League fixtures. Uh, time to talk Leicester against Arsenal, which takes place on Sunday at 12pm at the King Power Stadium. Both sides in Europa League action midweek and contrasting fortunes for both the Foxes and the Gunners. Obviously, the Foxes uh, dumped out by Czech side Slavia Prague. A surprise result, but um, perhaps uh, slightly disappointing for some of the supporters. Uh, Arsenal, meanwhile, managed to get the job done against Benfica with a late victory thanks to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's header. Um, with Leicester then, a bit of a surprise they got knocked out. A few people were tipping them to go far in the Europa League, Pete. Do you think that this was just tactical choices from Brendan Rodgers to maybe focus on the Premier League? He certainly alluded to that um, in his press conference. Well, you can tell by the, t the team that he named um, that he, you know he has priorities elsewhere. There's a lot of injuries as well, but he was still rested players. Um, mm. And it, it, it clearly wasn't priority for them. Um, that He knew... I've, I've done a lot of uh, Leicester games and press conferences this season and, and, and Brendan Rodgers is very keen to get across that... Um, they learned the lessons from last season. They do not want that to happen again um, because they 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 should have cruised it really. That that, that run that they went on um, in from January January onwards, onwards they really tailed off, didn't they? Incredible, mm. really, like to go from one level to that. So they 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 know that they're in a great position now. They've worked really hard to get there. They deserve to be there. They played some great football, um, and they don't want to. And they, what at all costs they will uh, they will do all they can to stay there. And I, I think that. Europa League, they have actually quite a good record in games after Europa League games uh, in the Premier League. Um, but mm. but they, I think, when it's it's the latter stage of the season when things, when you really, you know, a week off in between games can be massive at, at, at this at this stage of the season uh, to prepare for big games. Somebody like Brenda Rogers as well, who likes to spend his time on the training ground. I think that if you had, 
um, those extra few days preparation for a big game can make all the difference. And it, the top four is their priority. And I think, I don't think he'd actually lose, I don't think he'd even lose a wink sleep over the fact that they're out of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned the injuries. They're, they're pretty extensive. Uh, James Madison, yeah. the latest to be added to that list of injury absentees, Alex. I mean, you talk about last season and that sort of final day between Manchester United and Leicester. It was like a straight shootout for the Champions League mm. places. And in the end, Manchester United got the job done. Um, but just how much of a blow is that to lose someone like Madison, who even despite the other injuries that Leicester have had, has, has looked really bright this season? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a blow for everyone because he is one of those outstanding... Leicester have got two of my favourite non-United players. Uh, I love Barnes and I love Madison. You could watch, I, I quite like Jack Grealish as well. They're all that same kind of player where they get the ball and they just want to cause harm to the opposition. They, they're really mm. skillful. They, they're all capable of scoring and assisting and they're just really exciting. So it's, it's a real shame for Leicester um, to lose Madison. It's a shame for everyone. It's a shame for match of the day because Leicester are a good side. <laughs> I, I can't see... Um, Leicester, though, exactly as Pete said, I, I can't. I don't think they would have focused for one second on the Europa. I can't see them look Arsenal causing them any trouble this weekend because I think Arsenal are a little bit the opposite. I think Arsenal. Uh, I watched. I watched the Arsenal game last night, and they weren't dominant by any means. Um, had they faced a, a, a side who were capable of attacking better, I think they would have gone out last night. Arsenal, mm. but they plugged away. Saka played well. Aubameyang got a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, and they did look to have a, a slight clinical edge, but it felt to me like I've not seen Arsenal play like that for most of the season in the Premier League. And it, mm. it feels like almost their entire focus was the exact polar opposite of uh, of Leicester, where they just wanted to do well in the Europa. I, I think Leicester will will not have any trouble with Arsenal this weekend. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, imagine having a club the size of Arsenal, their season hinging on the performances of a 19-year-old. I mean, Bukayo Saka, <laughs> as you say, I think it's been absolutely outstanding. What is it with Arsenal then, Pete? Do they just need to win a trophy? Because you even touched upon it a moment ago on the podcast. Why isn't Mikel Arteta under more pressure mm. as Arsenal manager, considering their Premier League form this season has been absolutely rubbish? They're 11th. They're in the bottom half of the Premier League table. I'm just thinking if this was Unai Emery, he would have been absolutely hammered for this season that Arsenal have had. Oh, yeah, he'd have been gone. Like you've, you've lost 11 games out of 25 and 11th in the league at the end of February. You know, they've, they've lost more games than they've won at this stage of the season. Arsenal, this is absolute madness. He's, I'll tell you why he doesn't. he's not under pressure. is because he talks a really good game. He's been very, very keen to get across the fact that this is a project... This is going to take time. This is this. This is that. And the 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 fans, you know, we all know Arsenal fans are a, are a different breed to everyone else, and they're like, <laughs> they they um, they like to they they like they, they like to uh, portion the blame on someone. And uh, Emery was a, was an easy target for them. Uh, but now now it's the players, and Arteta Arteta never gets anything. You never you never hear uh, Arteta getting much criticism from fans, or even in Has the media. Has he brainwashed them, Pete? Because even Alexandre Lacazette had printed on his boots, "Trust the process." For the game yeah, on Thursday, yeah. wow. he had it printed on his boots, trust the process. Wow, and that's either that. a real band mentality where they're all in the same camp and they're all mucking in together, or may maybe there is slight wow. um, delusion there, maybe, for want of a better expression. 
they have to they have to spend an hour in the morning in front of the telly screen with, with <laughs> repeating this George Orwell reference for the for the younger yeah. younger listeners. Um, in, and and have to repeat yeah. have to repeat repeat after me uh, and yeah. it's, it's we we believe in the process this is going to take time we believe in the process and just keep saying that for an hour go out to train it all smiles for the younger listeners we can liken it to the start <laughs> of the simpsons where bart simpson's writing on the chalkboard yeah. over and over again yeah 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 and it's 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 every press conference that he does is is he gets that that word in there a project or a process or it's it's, it's very clever really um because at the end of the day, they're they're below Leeds, they're below West Ham, they're below Villa, they're below Everton. At this stage of the season, it's it's not good enough. And it is as much as he won't say it. That's a it's not that's not a bad Arsenal squad. You give another you you give another coach. You, you've already listened list, uh, listed uh, Bakayo Saka, and he deserves credit. Uh, Arteta deserves credit for for getting him in there. I think that has also been his saving grace, actually. Uh, uh, Saka and Emil Smith Rowe get bring yeah. it, bring bringing them in and giving them games when things weren't good. Because at the start of the season, when William was playing, it wasn't going well, and Nicolas Pepe wasn't producing. And, he's, and, he's, and he took a gamble, and he, and he put those young kids in. And ev- every fan of every club likes to see young, young kids from the academy doing well in the first team. And yeah. those, two, those two have pulled them out of a hole. I mean, let's be honest. They, they could, they, at one stage, they were, they, were, you know, they were 15th for a long, long time in the Premier League season. This is actually, they've actually improved of late. Um, in the last few months, thanks to those those kids. So there's little th- there was little things that are, that have saved him. But in the cold hard light of day, that eleventh, having lost more games than you've won at this stage of the season for Arsenal, is is mad. I know this is the Premier League, and I know it's unpredictable. But to think at one stage of the season, Arsenal were just twenty to one to get relegated from the Premier League. <laughs> it should be in the thousands for a club like Arsenal, yeah, yeah. not in the tens. That's for sure. We could do a whole podcast on Arsenal and their squad, whether they need another clear out or just to recruit better. I mean, we could literally talk about them all day, but their next task is a trip to Leicester, the King Power Stadium, the venue, Sunday, 12pm kickoff. Shortly after that, on Sunday, 2pm start, Tottenham take on Burnley at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Last week, Alex, when talking about Spurs, we said that the Europa League win against Wolfsburger, the Austrian side, could perhaps turn their form around in the Premier League. Yet they still went and lost their next game. They've got some better fixtures coming up, some more favourable fixtures, let's just say. How close do you think we are to must-win territory for Spurs? Because we can talk about how bad Arsenal are doing, but Tottenham aren't doing much better. No, although they did, I think it was an eight-one aggregate victory, wasn't it, in the yeah. Europa? So, and you know, there are the odd decent sign. Deli Ali scores a couple of goals. Um, last week they lost two-one, but they, it was again they hit the post a couple of times on a different day. Um, I, I think the Arsenal. Do you know what? I, th- I really think that Mourinho doesn't help in this situation because your back goes against the wall an awful lot quicker when you've got Mourinho as your manager because I think Tottenham would possibly, if they'd have had a different manager, I mean, they've lost four of the last five, so they're in terrible, terrible form. Mm. But I think you add Mourinho extra into that mix. And then the fact you've got Kane and Son, so you've got two of the best players in the league. Um, and then some of his signings, I think, have been slightly questionable. As well, you know, very defensive, especially for a side like Tottenham. So I think it's, I think it's lucky for Mourinho. I think he's one of the managers that really benefits the fact there are no fans, because I don't think Tottenham fans would be. I think they'd be livid right now at some of the football they're seeing, and and also the results. 
Um, so mm. I, I, maybe they maybe they are at two or three results away from Mourinho's job being very much under threat because he's there is no process there. It's it's not like uh, Arteta where he says, well, you know, <laughs> the next year or two, you're like, hang on, they had arguably the best Tottenham team since the 80s, uh, only a couple of seasons ago when they got to the um, when they got all the way in the Champions League, uh, didn't quite win it. Um, and it's just been disaster after disaster since then. So uh, I, mm. I don't know. I honestly don't know how long Mourinho will get. Um, They've drawn Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League, so you'd expect them to get through that, all things considered. Mm. But the next three, Burnley, Fulham and Crystal Palace, if they're not getting anything out of those games, that's is that the Grim Reaper? It has to be, surely, doesn't it? It, it has to be, but... Um... I, th- I think that's a great point what Alex has made and it's not sort of talked about enough in the fact that fans not being there actually helps some managers at the moment. Like, imagine the Emirates would be quite a toxic place if they were 11th in the Premier League, I, I could I could imagine. And and the same with Jose, because let's be honest, you, you don't you don't warm to him that well. He's not he's not um he's not the one that encourages that warmth. Um and when things are going badly, that's when you see this the real Jose come out uh, of the woodwork, isn't it? You, you you see that the world is against us, that siege mentality. Everyone hates us. It's us against them, um, and it's not pretty. And it's you know, what they they've lost the last six, uh, sorry, six of the last seven, yeah, domestically, and. Against West Ham uh, last week, they looked pretty good in the second half when Bale came on. So you thought, oh, you know, maybe. Maybe he's going to get a run in the team now, but with Jose, you never know. Like Deli Ali performed in the Europa League, you think he might get a goal, but with Jose, you never know. So it's just there's, there's just a, a bad vibe about the place at the moment, and uh, the, these games are, are, are simply must win, uh, and with a bit of style as well, because there's no there's no, there's no major injuries to to complain about. There's, you can't blame that. They've got um, all the big guns are back. Um, they need to start. They need to start performing. That's another. That's another good. T- another good squad there with plenty of talent in there. So it should be doing so much better than it is. I don't think the Grim Reaper will be out because Daniel Levy wanted his uh, blockbuster name uh, as a manager for the for the Amazon series. So he wants. To, I think <laughs> there's there's, there's going to be a second series for that. And I don't. I don't. I don't think. Um, I think that Jose would be the star of the show for that. So I think. Um, I think he'll be sticking. He'll be sticking around for the for the, the next volume of of, of that saga. <laughs> but um, he Le- Levy wanted Mourinho and, and wanted him for a long time, so he will get uh, he will get longer than other managers will get. But he needs mm. to start showing something at least. Talking about longevity in managers, the longest serving Premier League manager right now is Sean Dyche, the Burnley gaffer. Um, although things are still a little bit dicey for them, they'd go above Southampton if they do beat Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend. Alex, but they're currently just six mm. points clear of the relegation zone. Now, I think we're all expecting Burnley to stay up, but six points, it's not exactly comfortable for them. It's not, but when you look how far both Sheffield United and West Brom are behind, it's it's real. there's only really four t- three other teams that they're, they're sort of competing against. Um, it's not... It's not a, Burnley have got... They've always had this sort of dogged resilience. I think everybody expects them on the last day of the season or two days, two games for the last day of the season to secure it with an away draw somewhere. Then they're that kind of, um, they're that kind of side. And that is success for Burnley. Um, Cause they've got such limited means. Um, they, they get an injury and the, you know, Liverpool have struggled to cope with their injuries this season. Burnley get an injury to, I think Ashley Barnes is at, at sorry. <clears throat> um, oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Ashley Barnes is out. 
for this game, but who who comes in uh, to replace him? You know, there's there's not like a, a half decent replacement often for Burnley. So you know, I, th- I think they'll, I think they'll probably be safe. Crystal Palace are only three or four points in front of them as well. Wolves have kind of picked up lately. So that that sort of bottom half of the table, they they're well placed in that, and I think they can they can. I think there's other sides a lot worse than Burnley. Will more likely to go down. Well, Tottenham take on Burnley Sunday 2pm. Could be an important game for both sides, that one. Equally as important, probably more so from a Fulham perspective and for Scott Parker, is Crystal Palace against the Cottagers Sunday 12pm start. Uh, We talk about the relegation battle, Pete. Fulham are closing the gap and they're playing good football at the moment as well, although they keep drawing games and I think that might be their Achilles heel this season. Do you think that they're relying on sides around them like Newcastle United who are their closest opponents uh, to that dotted line do you think they're relying on teams like Newcastle being bad as much as they are picking up points <laughs> yeah, yeah I think so because they, they they had a, such a terrible start to the season they were already playing immediately playing catch-up um, but you, you're right to allude to the fact they've played some really good stuff recently uh, they were excellent in the win at Everton really really good and um, and they've got two young, hungry forwards who who can make all the difference when you when you're down there. Who can who can score you that winning goal and snatch you a one nil victory that you need to grind out. They're actually they're they're actually quite good at the back. You know, they're resolute defensively. They conceded um, they've conceded one in the last four games. You know, which is which is pretty impressive when you're down at the bottom. Um, uh, but they need to they need to you know, it's two draws in that though. You need to convert those draws into wins. Um, but the the young uh, manager that they've got uh, in is, seems like a great signing. He was excellent at Goodison, um, and Ad- Adamola Luckman has, has has looked fantastic this season. I, I was I was really surprised um, when they brought him in because I was I thought it was a really good signing. I thought more teams might be in for him, especially on loan. Um, so with those with those two up front, I think um, I think they could they could really pull themselves out of it because Newcastle is such a negative place, isn't it? When things are going bad and. And Steve Bruce uh, bears the brunt of it, and uh, it's just, you know, he bans the press, and 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 it's just, it's just always so negative. And so when think once the once you lose one game or two games in Newcastle, you fear that third and the fourth and the fifth are going to come. Um, they weren't they weren't bad at Old Trafford last week. They're not, they're not a bad again. They're not a bad team on the day. They're very good. They also got a good win at, um, at Goodison Park. Um, they were excellent that day, um, but their big loss, their big big loss, is uh, is Callum Wilson, and uh, without him up front, uh, you know you've got your, your options are Joel Linton, Dwight Gale, and Andy Carroll. Uh, that's I don't I don't know about you, but I'm not hearing goals. Sixty uh, percent <laughs> of Newcastle's Premier League goals this season been met, scored or made by Callum Wilson. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, that's, that tells its own story. Then thank you for the stat to back up my argument. That was good. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, he, they've got with, Sam Maximan back though, Pete, who did yeah. play very well, I think, in the last couple of games that he's had. He did, he did, because and he's actually feeling, st- still feeling long COVID as well, which which is mm. in- interesting. And how he how he recovers from that, we'll have mm. to wait and see. Um, but um, he's he's great at you know creating you the chances and whipping in that great ball. But if you've not got someone in, to get on in the end of it, then it might you might be a bit difficult. Um, mm. I think they could be relying on him for the spectacular a bit too often this season, which um, it, it all depends how Fulham do. Um, in this this could be a very at the bottom, it could be a very low scoring as well. So I I I don't I think Burnley have been terrible this season, and the fact that they can they're still out the out the bottom three is is remarkable really, and and. And it shows how bad a start the rest had. Um, yeah. But I think Fulham, 
if they need to they need to start to basically they need to start turning these draws into wins they could yep. easily catch Newcastle and Newcastle fans mm. I think are very very worried we'll briefly touch upon Newcastle a little bit later on but they do play first the Magpies so the pressure mm. might already be on mm. Fulham by that stage as for Crystal Palace Alex the fans have been a little bit unhappy with Roy Hodgson lately he's an old timer he's an elder statesman there's no other way of putting it he is the oldest <laughs> manager in the Premier League right now but he's got experience and with Roy Hodgson you pretty much get guaranteed Premier League status but do you think that the fans have almost got their hearts set on something new in the summer Hodgson's contract is up Eddie Howe is available yeah. he's a name that's been linked with Crystal Palace do you think that the fans maybe have their eyes on the on the future rather than the present possibly because that is the kind of thing when you're a football fan somebody like Eddie Howe would he's a lot more glamorous than Roy Hodgson obviously um they did just win their local <laughs> derby 2-1 with a last minute yes. goal and that mm. um will be absolutely huge that you can forgive a lot of sins if you win your local derby with it especially if the strike was fantastic as well um, and I think Hodgson, he, I think he almost is a, a slight victim of being older, being slightly doddery in a time when football managers for maybe in the last five or six years have all started to dress really well. And, you know, you've got Mourinho now, he's looked on as an older statesman. So somebody like Roy Hodgson is seen as a bit of a dinosaur. And I don't think he's, he's quite fair. What he did... Early on in the season, the, the form he got out of Zaha, who by all accounts didn't even really want to still be at Palace, and he he, mm. he changed his position. He got lots of goals out of him early. Um, they they're not doing, you know, it's it's Crystal Palace. So for them to be anywhere but in the bottom two or three is is success. And I, I think I don't know. I think it's one of those be careful what you wish for. They, they currently. Where are they? They're point or two behind Arsenal or something like that. If you just said that at the beginning of the season, <laughs> you'd have gone. Do you, want, do you fancy that Palace fans? And they'd have bitten your hand off. So, um, yes, I'm certain Eddie Howe is someone that if, if I was a Palace fan, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll come in and we'll play this amazing football. Mm. I, I, think, I think he's done a, a really good job, Hodgson. I think he's a bit maligned. And it's, it's unfair, I think, in, in many ways. I think it's a fair point, And it also feels inevitable that Eddie Howe is going to end up at Selhurst Park. I don't know why. It just feels that you're putting two and two together <laughs> and getting four. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, I have absolutely no insider knowledge there when it comes to Eddie Howe's um, comings and goings. But it feels like he will be a Crystal Palace manager at some point. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, yeah. uh, the Eagles take on Fulham Sunday, 12pm. Still four Premier League games for us to talk about here on the podcast. And we'll do that next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast from Sport Social. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast. Brand new shows right throughout the week, right throughout the season. Uh, so if you don't want to miss a beat when it comes to the English top flight in podcast form, then you are in the right place. So just hit that subscribe button and you'll be notified as soon as a new show is ready. Basement boys, Sheffield United, they're propping up the table, still got 11 points, still not off of that unwanted record set by Derby County some 12 years ago now. Sheffield United take on Liverpool, the current champions, although they're not having a great time of it either, are they? That's a Sunday 7.15pm kickoff. I mean, Liverpool have been bad lately. Pete, but they're not going to lose to Sheffield United, are they? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you, you think that things are going really bad and then you could lose to Sheffield United, couldn't you? But 
Um, it's, it's such a strange side to watch Sheffield United because there's so many games that they lose and you think you watch them and you think they could have easily got something out of that. And they, they, they are capable on the day of, of compounding Liverpool's woes. But um, you, you'd like, well, if you're a Liverpool fan, you'd like to think that, yeah, surely not. It can't, it, you know, we can't lose this, can they? I mean, this, this I don't know who's going to play in defence for a start, but um, I, I think that at some point you think that what people have, have, have neglected to sort of talk about when they're talking about Liverpool this season is that they haven't had any injuries up front, really. You know, they're, 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 their main front three, Diogo Jota's being injured has been a big blow for them, but they've had their, you know, their famed um, uh, front forward line for, for most of the season. They're just not, they're just not producing, they're just not producing the goods. And you'd like, this is the sort of game, you know, the, it wasn't so long ago that that the, the front three were banging in the goals and at seven, seven goals at Palace, was it? Uh, and, yeah. and you thought, well, Liverpool are on course for the title here. So this is the sort of game that they could find that rhythm again, and and they they could possibly do some damage. But it's mm. just it's just not happened for them of late. They just seem it's, it's strange, yeah. really. This set seemed very flat. I think Salah perhaps may may you know, his, his head may have been turned um, and thinking about a potential summer exit. Um, and Mane's Mane's not been anywhere near as dynamic, and and Firmino feeds off the energy of the other two. So yeah, um, it's it's been a, it's been a, a strange old season in many ways, and, mm. and one of the strangest things is is how poor Liverpool have been up front. But this is the sort of game you, you, you Liverpool fans would, would be looking at, thinking, mm. you know, okay, maybe we can get some goals. Yeah, the, the games between these two sides are pretty close last season, but obviously mm. loads of stuff's changed since last season um, for both teams. And obviously injuries, um, you've already touched upon Jordan Henderson getting injured, Pete, but injuries are going to play a huge part in Liverpool's fortunes this season if they haven't already. Jurgen Klopp, Alex, says that top four is now the aim, that the really? title's gone. But how hard's top four even going to be with Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, Everton? They're all interested in Champions League as well. Yeah, I think there's a, there's three or four sides that are currently more favourite to hit the top four than than Liverpool because the the form has just been so bad. And they, they just don't look... You can't even say they've been unlucky in any game. It, sometimes they, they might lose, like... They lost 2-0 against Everton. They had a lot of the ball, but at, at no point did you really... When Everton scored in the first two, three minutes, I kind of thought, oh, Everton will probably win this 3 or 4 nil. Um, I thought it would be quite well not to completely capitulate because the way it's been lately has just, just been pretty woeful. Mane, as you said, um, last season you couldn't leave half a yard off Mane and you knew he'd score. Salah was like rent-a-goal, he couldn't miss. Firmino was like <laughs> supposedly the greatest centre-forward stroke midfielder that you've ever seen. He's playing in a position that no one's ever seen before. Um, but this year they've just been been really, really woeful. The full-backs um, are not do it. They would. They were like two wingers, weren't they, last season? And this season they go forward, and it's um, just totally ineffectual. So I, I just, I think, you know, Everton possibly they've still got a game in hand as well over Liverpool. So Liverpool could really be about seventh or eighth. Um, Chelsea are probably better. West Ham are playing better. Leicester are playing better. United are playing better. And there's only three spots, and there's five, six teams playing better. So I don't, I don't see Liverpool making top four. Yeah, it's a really fascinating situation that they've got there at Anfield. Sheffield United versus Liverpool, Sunday, 7.15pm kickoff. A really important game takes place at the Hawthorns this weekend, Saturday, 3 o'clock start. West Brom against Brighton. As you've already touched upon, Alex, Brighton probably licking their wounds after that Mm. gutting Palace defeat. And as we said about Burnley, you know, they're not 
clear and dry of the relegation places, this game's also probably as crucial for Brighton as it is uh, for West Brom because they'll want to drag themselves further clear of that dotted line. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the thing with Brighton is I always feel like they, they could put like a good two or three run, two or three game run together because they've got some decent attacking options. Um, and they do play reasonably nice football. It's a team that, you know, when you you look at some teams, West Brom, you just mentioned, like, I really don't like watching West, Ham, West Brom play, sorry. I, I think it's kind of quite dull at the minute and they're a little bit dirty and they're very negative in the tactics. And I think Brighton come and, uh, Brighton come and have a, a really good go. Um, <laughs> so I hope, I mean, I don't know if we're, we're supposed to have favourite teams and stuff. I, I like going to Brighton as a place. I I hope they I hope they survive, and I think they, I just kind of think they're good enough to stay up. They, I think they I think they're actually better than they're definitely better than West Brom and Sheffield United. I think they're probably better than a little bit better than Burnley and probably Newcastle and Fulham mm. as well. Well, we've said this all season about Brighton. I mean, you think back to that game where they did lose against Palace. They absolutely battered mm. Crystal Palace. <laughs> they couldn't score. And that's been their issue all season. We've said it all season. We'll probably end up saying it again next week. Brighton can't seem to find the net. As for West Brom, you talk about scoring goals. It's the only way you're going to win games. And they've got the fewest wins in the Premier League all season. Just two victories uh, to their tally this year, Pete. Is this one of their better chances to uh, to up that uh, column, the, the wins column? Because with just two wins, I think you're leaving your chances of staying in the Premier League very, very slim. Yeah, absolutely. And the danger that West, West Brom have got this season is that you don't want it to be the, the narrative to be centred too much around Sam Allardyce and whether he'll keep them up. But that's what he was talking about this, this week in, in that he was, he was saying... You know, I I don't think it will it will dent my reputation. I don't want, you know it was all about sort of his reputation and whether he can keep West Brom up and how it will affect him as a manager. It's kind of, it it can kind of it it can take over the, their whole survival bid in a way. Whether Allardyce is going to get relegated rather than whether West Brom are going to get relegated. Um, January sign January signings have 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 helped. Um, I think they had one of the better windows of anyone in the Premier League. I think West Brom, but. That that's more of a slight on how poor the summer transfer window was. They didn't bring anyone in that they wanted really, and and it was already. I think we've we've talked about this before, and the fact that it was a, it was a, a team that a squad that wasn't that good when it came up anyway. Like they scraped up from the championship. They needed some investment in the summer, and they didn't invest in the players that they needed. Um, keeping hold of Dean Garner was it was it was it was it was, was key, but otherwise they didn't really invest. But they they had a good January. They've looked better in recent weeks. Um, more of an attacking threat. Uh, they should have won at Burnley, um, even though they had even though they had ten men. What was that two weeks ago? Now they should they they had plenty of chances, but not putting them away. And they're the sort of games that you can really kickstart your season. Brighton's a perfect place to go. This this because that was daylight robbery, wasn't it? On Monday night, like twenty Brighton had twenty twenty five shots. Palace had three, and and somehow they lost two one. Um, but Brighton were in a really good run before that. They were uh, unbeaten in seven. Um, but that can be so damaging to lose a game like that in the last minute in your local derby, and we can. You just thought they did everything but score. They they absolutely battered Palace, um, and that can be really, really detrimental to their confidence um, up front. And 
West Brom go there at a perfect time uh, in that and can inflict more damage. Yeah, Baggies versus Brighton Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. And you're talking about promoted teams. Easily the best looking of all the teams that came up from the championship last season <laughs> has been Leeds United. They take on Aston Villa, 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. Do you think we'll see them maybe express themselves slightly better during this run-in than we've seen in previous seasons? And when I say that, what I'm referring to is those championship seasons where they capitulated a couple of times <laughs> in trying to get back to the Premier League. Because there's less pressure there this time and they've kind of achieved their goal already of being safe in the top flight after 16 years away, do you think we might see them perhaps um, be a little bit more consistent between now and the end of the season? When you were starting with that question then, I thought you were expect you were, you were suggesting that they need to do more attacking-wise. <laughs> they express themselves. It's like, I was like, what more do you want? It's like Yorkshire's <laughs> version of the Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters, isn't it? Like the, fo- the football that they play... The, ev- Every every time Leeds play, no matter who it's against, they play exactly the same. I was I remember the the United game. I was at the United game, and they were um, they conceded six goals, and they were throwing seven men forward. <laughs> You know what on earth is going on there? What goes on in the heads? That, that but that's but that is what that is what Bielsa has got into them. Um, the 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 stereotype is that they're going to tire, isn't it? Like, towards the end of the season, and he, Bielsa likes to keep his uh, squad small, use the same players, uh, and his training sessions training sessions are, are famously very intense, um, which which tires his players out. And it's happened in the Championship before; they tail off towards the end of the season. But I think they're on, they're so buoyant this season. I don't I can't see it. I've not seen any sign of that since. Um, I think Rafinha has been an absolute revelation in the last in the last month. He's he's. I, I don't think he'll be at Leeds for that long. To be honest, I think a, 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 a big club will snap him up soon. Um, and I think a player like Kim can be so infectious on everyone else. And when things are going when things are going well, and, and if they continue to go well, I don't think they'll tail off. Um, a few defeats might change that. It changes the mood massively. But when you've got a player like Rafinha who can really make things, a bit like St. Maximum at Newcastle, it can really make things happen, then it can really lift everyone else. And it's really exciting to watch. It really lifts everyone else. And you really want to be part of that like exhilarating football. And I, don't, I, 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 don't, I can't see them tailing off now uh, just because purely they've been the, the, the entertainers this season and long may it continue. If we're talking about turnarounds this season, Alex, we've mentioned it on podcasts uh, this week already that if you're talking about perhaps some of the manager of the season contenders, obviously you're looking at David Moyes and Guardiola and stuff, but Dean Smith, considering Aston Villa was in a hair's breadth of getting relegated mm. last season, to turn them around um, into the side that they've been this season, they've still got two games in hand over a fair amount of the rest of the league. And they're still in with a shout of the Europa League spots. So um, if they beat Leeds, that'll give them a, a greater chance, even though their form has been patchy recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Villa have been great this season. I think the big problem for them the last couple of weeks has been no Grealish. Uh, and I don't think he's fit for this one either. Um, but the thing with um, Villa, they, they do prepare very, very well for games. And I think when they absolutely battered Liverpool, and I wouldn't be surprised if... Some, I'm not saying they're going to batter Leeds, but uh, without Grealish, they've not they've not been winning. They've not been the same side. But I think Leeds are one of those sides that if you play against their weaknesses, like United did actually very well, like a lot of teams have done this season, they have a lot of weaknesses to exploit. They're really bad at defending any kind of set piece. They commit so many men forward in such a strange formation that if you can sort of hold a half-decent shape and go on the counter-attack, you can open them up quite easily. Um, they've got Barclays just come back. He's, I think he was missing for quite a bit of the season. And uh, they've got Watkins up front, McGinn's back. They've got some... 
you know, they're, they're not a bad side, Villa. And I think, um, I think, I think Villa are one of those teams we mentioned earlier. Where will Liverpool finish? I think, I think Villa are probably like currently on a on a par with Liverpool, maybe slightly better. So it's phenomenal to think where they finished last season, and and you know, it's they they are a project. We talked about Arteta earlier. I think he's he's done a great job, the manager, as as you were as you were mentioning. Barkley and Grealish fitting together. McGinn's a real good player. Watkins is a real good player. The defense is sort of sorted. I, I think they're all right, though. I think they're in a good place. Mm, well, they take on Leeds at Ellen Road 5.30 Saturday, which brings us to the final game we're going to talk about on today's Football Social Daily podcast. Newcastle against Wolves at St. James's Park, 8pm Saturday. That's your evening entertainment sorted. Uh, Steve Bruce was prickly in this press conference. We've already touched upon uh, Newcastle uh, in the podcast, Pete. Only West Brom and Sheffield United have lost more games in the Premier League than Newcastle this season. But if they win, which we have seen them do recently, two wins in their last five games, in fact, if they do win, that piles the pressure back on Fulham. And it feels that we could have a real to and fro between those two sides between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. But like as, as was saying before, I think goals will be the problem. I, I think you're right to point to St. Maximin's return could be crucial for them. But... Yeah, I just I listed the strikers earlier. It's not. He's just by miles their best player. Oh yeah. Me. I mean, if you take Callum Wilson out of it, he's just it's just not even close. No, it's, it's like not, when you play no. five aside and you come up against the team and yeah. you know they you know that their best player is that certain guy and then you know he just he's just easily their best player. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's the only one that can really make things happen. But I mean, sure, you know, if he if he keeps doing these mazy runs of whipping and great balling, and if you keep seeing, you know. Dwight Gale kicking his own head and and Andy Carroll running into the <laughs> running into the post and also you know it's not he's gonna it's gonna get disheartened isn't he? There's only so many so many great balls you can put in that aren't being put away and um it's it's I can't express how much of a big blow it is to lose Callum Wilson to a to a team like Newcastle and and as, especially to to Wolves who, against Wolves who seem to have got over the poor season start I I I think Newcastle could. I do really fear for them this season, actually, and and I, I don't think a managerial change before the end of the season will help anything. Um, but it's just it's just it's it's got that toxic feel, hasn't it? Again at, at Newcastle, and um, you you just they need they need they need to you know some big. This is a huge game for them, really, um, at home. Um, and it, again, we talk about fans again. Um, fa- if they lost that at home to Wolves, you can imagine the, uh, the uproar in the in the stands. So I think at least having at least having no having no fans will um, Steve Bruce will feel less pressure. But it's such a big game. It's such a big game with with Fulham potentially starting to find the feet. He was criticised in his press conference, Steve Bruce, for smiling and laughing with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, after they got <laughs> beat by Manchester United. And he wasn't too happy about being asked that question, was old Steve, in the press conference. No. As for Wolves, they've had a bit of an indifferent season uh, by the standards that they've set for themselves in the two years that they've been back in the top flight, Alex. Back-to-back seventh-place finishes before this season. Spent most of this campaign, though, in the bottom half of the table. Although they're in better form, I think they've won three of the last four games. And against the Newcastle side, who have looked rocky, I think they'll probably fan- Fancy themselves with the form that they're in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have. Um, 
it's strange with Wolves because it, it was maybe about a season and a half ago that they were absolutely flying. They were in a sort of similar position to where Leicester are now. Um, they were very high in the league and they were everyone's kind of favourite second team. They were playing really good, really, really good football. And then it was almost like they had, they started the last season, started way too early for them. They had so many games um, mm. and they've lost Jota. Uh, but he, he, he steadied the ship and I've got, a, I've got one of my best friends, he's a Wolves fan. And he's been so miserable for months and months. And in the last six weeks, he's just kind of started to feel like there's a bit of a recovery in the air, like things are coming together again. I think Neves um, has scored a couple in the last few games and he'd not scored for ages and ages. And he's probably one of, if not their best player, one of their best players. So I, I just from what I'm picking up with Wolves and whenever I catch little bits of them, they seem like there's, all the signs are, are good again. It's like they're, you know, they're very much on the up. So uh, I can't see, I can't. See, it's the exact opposite to Newcastle, really. I can't see any <laughs> any other way. I think Wolves Wolves will win this one quite comfortably. Newcastle versus Wolves, 8 p.m. Saturday, and that brings us to the end of Football Social Daily for today's Premier League preview show. Um, thank you very much, Pete. Thank you, Alex. Anything 80s you want to add? <laughs> um, well, I think if you're a Newcastle fan, um, as, as the famous T-shirt said, just relax. That's what you just need to do. Just <laughs> stay off Steve Bruce. Give your team a bit of a break because it's going to be a long, long ride to, ne- to the end of the season. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't ever miss another episode. Again, Fergal, Brennan and the gang will be back tomorrow with a full rundown of all the Premier League fixtures. But that's it for now. And we'll catch you again soon here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.